This is Covered Calls with Kevin Simpson, featuring expert insights and analysis from the industry's top investment professionals. If you'd like a deeper understanding of today's markets, this is the show for you. Okay. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Covered Call podcast with Kevin Simpson. For those of you tuning in for the first time, and I'm sure there's a lot of new viewers because of today's unbelievable guest, I'm the uh, Chief Investment Officer and Founder of Capital Wealth Planning. My goal here on the show is to engage with some of the best and brightest minds on Wall Street, and today certainly will not disappoint. We're extremely, extremely excited uh, to have Pete Nigerian, a very, very uh, esteemed CNBC contributor, um, amazing option trader, uh, an ex-NFLer, and the founder of Market Rebellion, which I encourage everyone to check out after this podcast because I know how many of us watch because of options and covered calls and there is no one better uh, than Pete and his brother. So please be sure to check out Market Rebellion. We have a lot of, uh, to talk about today, short time to do it. And uh, Pete, so much um, appreciation on our side. Thank you for being here. Oh, this is awesome. I, I tell you, I, and I say it all the time and I'm gonna say it so everybody can hear it on this podcast is that when you come on TV, I, I actually turn on the volume and look up. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, it's it, it, and I don't just say that about anybody. I mean, I honestly, for you, I, I do that because I love the world that you're in and I love that you have the understanding of options the way you do. And I don't, I still think to this day, uh, the world is probably not educated well enough on options because they, a lot of people feel that they are something of danger. And I think they're far from that. I think they offer better uh, risk reward oftentimes and, and, and actually can be a great way to to mitigate and, you know, take take some of the risk off, actually. So uh, I appreciate all that you do, Kevin. It's great. Well, thank, thank you for saying that. I didn't want to make it too much about the professional side of things, but maybe we'll get into your personal life in a second, because just hearing you say that, it's like giving me goosebumps. Because when you talk to the uninitiated and you just broach the topic of options, they think, well, you know, I, I know my hairdresser's brother lost all their money trading options or some right. horror story. And it's like anything, you know, if you walk across the street with a, band, a blindfold on, you get hit by a car. But right. we utilize, uh, utilize options. You utilize options on both sides of the market. But, but so much of it is, is knowing when to hedge and how to utilize insurance. And you talk about the, the public being uneducated on options. And that's not their fault. It's just there's so little information out there. You know, yeah. we insure our cars, our homes, our <laughs> lives, our health. But so few of us insure our portfolios. And, right. and that's... That's one of the messages that we really try to talk about with this podcast is options don't have to be risky. And we, and we try to we try to utilize them as a, a modest hedging technique, if, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. And I I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the biggest things that we are proud about our market rebellion site. And in the past, we had trade monster and option monster and those things. But we had sold those. And this is our, our latest venture. But is, is the educational piece, um, giving people the opportunity to understand them and, and, and let them have the understanding that, you know, you, you don't have to put that hood on to walk across the street. You take that hood off so you can see everything. And, and it does give you, it offers you opportunity. Uh, you know, you can reduce what your, what your exposure is from a dollar perspective. You can do like you do. And I do, uh, with every stock that I own, I am literally almost 100%, but not 100%, but I sell calls against them uh, because, uh, you know, I'm collecting and creating my own yield. And, and it, it also, on negative times, like what we've run through recently, there are, there are stocks out there where 
I've been selling calls against them. And as they drop, I'm still continuing to sell those calls against them. It's kind of lowering the price level where I purchased some of those names, uh, you know, as we, as we wait for them to maybe turn around and go to the upside, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. I've never had a stock go down. You've so. never had that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there is something, Kevin, that's so cool that uh, you obviously have huge amounts of discipline. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I bring up all the time. Whenever I talk to anybody in the world about options is you, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to understand what your trigger points are, what, after you buy them, now I do something a little bit different than you because I don't just do the covered calls, but I'm also naked calls frequently or puts um, like I've been in those ARC puts for quite a while for um, the ARC F, the FinTech, where you've got that one, you've got the innovation. And and it's not that I'm negative on Kathy Wood. It's not that at all. But she uh, she she's probably early. And I and I like to say to people sometimes that early oftentimes is a signal of being wrong, too. Uh, so, you, you know, there is something to be said about timing and all those kinds of things. But when you've got a lot of those uh, types of stocks that have, you know, basically no P.E. or maybe it's a three digit, four digit P.E. and they're all in in these uh, ETFs. Well, they they do tend to have a little bit more fuel to the downside because they got plenty of room still to fall. And we see some of the option activity in there and we try to pounce on that. And that's almost turns into a hedge for me against my NASDAQ stocks because I've got those puts to the downside on, on something like that. But there's there's always opportunities out there and, and I know you find them and I'm always looking for them as well. And you know we 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 love what we do. Myself, my brother and basically I would say the the market rebellion community. I mean we it's a tight knit group of people that really, really love the options world and, and they see how you can use them in a safer way to maybe have a better outcome. Even the speculative side of things, you know, you're putting a limit on your risk, which yeah. is also you know, very compelling. You may not yeah. be right. And this isn't, a, this isn't directed at you. An option trader may not be right every time, but they don't have to be. It's like a baseball player. Right. You, you, when you are, it's such a compelling compounding return mm -hmm. that that's the, um, you know, that, that, that's the beauty of it. And that's also my client are the sell, you know, as a seller of option, I know I'm not going to win every time, but if I'm, if I'm winning more times than I'm not, and even when I, when I have to forfeit a stock because it gets called away and the mm -hmm. call buyer is making a compelling compounding return, yeah. you know, I'm still making a profit. And yeah. someone far smarter than me was like, you know, you rarely lose money taking a profit. So I, I wrote <laughs> that down somewhere. <laughs> That uh, seems like that's true, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most of the time, most of the time. So, so the, and I and I want to come back because we were all huge fans of, of um, Option Monster and learned a lot. And the and and, e and even the rule of discipline there that you would teach um, your students was not to, not only the repetitiveness, but it's not a hobby. Like you you know mm -hmm. you've got to do it all the time. It's a consistency, and that mm -hmm. that may be why professionally so few people enter into our world because it's a it, it, it's just a regiment all day. You can't take a day off every day looking at the same thing. And in our like, sort of tactical way of looking at covered calls, and this is me pivoting away from business and options. Sure. Um, <clears throat> it's not working, but uh, you know, we're very tactical about it. So even when we're not doing something, we're still filtering through this approach as to making a decision, which is normally just a symptom of volatility. If volatility mm -hmm. is lower, we don't want to write as many calls. If it's higher, we want to harvest them. But all that being said, and it's fun talking about options, but your life is way funner, way cooler, <laughs> way more exciting than that. Here we go. <laughs> so growing, growing up in Minnesota, I, you know, just if you could spend a second on your family, because 
as popular and as brilliant and as great as you and your brother are, mm -hmm. um, you know, John's okay. I mean, you're certainly the star. Yeah, John's but, just a guy. I mean, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> but, 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 but it's about your father because when, when I first learned about you, it was really a, a, the person making an introduction was talking about how brilliant your father was. And mm -hmm. if you can spend a second on him and what his influence was, I just think that's helpful for people to get behind the curtain and, sure. and, and see the human side of things. Absolutely. And I, um, mm -hmm. I have a really one of my very best friends. Actually, he's a president of Morgan Stanley, and he's a guy who does help me with my portfolio. And he was a football player with me at the University of Minnesota back in the day. I recruited him. And he's done really well in the financial world. He's been there for a really long time. And he always likes, likes to joke with people and say, hey, you know, you see Pete over there? He's got a pretty decent Wikipedia page, a couple pages long. You know, he's got like four or five pages. His father's got 70. <laughs> and I always laugh because I'm, I'm smart enough to know that, that I'm just a guy. You know, I, I do what I do. I enjoy what I do. It's fun. You know, I enjoy life. And, and, and hopefully people see that. But, you know, my dad was a really special guy. And my mom, who doesn't get nearly enough credit, was a really special woman. And she was a surgical nurse. She met my father um, while she was trying to travel the rest of the world. And she stopped in San Francisco where he was uh, becoming, it was offered the chief of surgery at the University of San Francisco. And instead uh, got recruited around the country, went to the University of Minnesota. He he actually is one of the pioneers in transplantation. And this is a guy who in college, he graduated in two and a half years. He was in med school when he went to play football in the Rose Bowl. He got drafted by the Chicago Bears. I mean, a guy, it's too bad he wasn't much of an achiever. And, he, and then he played uh, semi-pro football for a while to pay for his bills while he was in medical school. Uh, I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. And for a very long period of time, he might still have it. He had the highest MCAT score ever to get into medical school. The guy, just a, a miraculous guy who came as an, uh, you know, his, his parents were immigrants from Armenia when there was a Turkish invasion and all the rest of that. And they moved to the United States. And one of the things that his mother did, and I, I respect her for doing it. I'm a little sad because none of us really know how to speak Armenian because uh, they wanted to become Americans right away. And with that, speak English only. And so my dad and his brothers, um, who were all football players at the University of California, Berkeley, um, they all spoke just English for the most part. They could speak some Armenian because there was a little bit that would rub off here and there, but that was about it. But yeah, my dad was a special guy. And part of this it being a special guy was not only did he accomplish so many things, he came up with the immunosuppressant drug that everybody in the world used for about 50 years for transplantation. Um, so if that wasn't enough, he his, he, he trained everybody around the world. I worked in his research labs at one point in time during the off seasons of football for me because I always wanted to become a surgeon myself. And I, I just didn't get there because I was lucky enough to play football just long enough to not really get into the saying at 30 years old, I want to be a med student. So um, that slowed it down a little bit for me. And I got onto the Chicago Board Options Exchange with, with my brother, John, who had, had had a brief stint with the Chicago Bears. So, uh, but my dad, just a special guy. And one of the things I would also say about him, just to recap him a little bit more would be, he was not that guy who would walk around with the rest of the doctors around the hospital and try to pretend like, you know, he's one of these untouchable guys. My dad was six foot four, 285 pound man. He had the biggest hands. His hands are so big. They're bigger than Michael Jordan's. I know that because he put it on the Michael Jordan thing in front of the United Center in Chicago. But 
his hands were so big he had to have special gloves made to be able to fit onto his hands. I mean, he's just a, a monster of a man who had an unbelievable heart. And he was also the guy who he, he was more interested in asking the janitor about his kids and what they were doing in school rather than standing around talking to the other surgeons about a case that they were working on. You know, he was just a, a, an interesting guy. And outside of that, I think I told you this story, but he was the ringside position for Hulk Hogan. And so we'd go to WWE matches all the time. Back then it was WWF or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, here's this guy who's one of the smartest minds ever in surgery. And yet uh, he's willing to go and, and pe- not care what people think. He's in the front row for the Vikings, the basketball with the Timberwolves. We weren't real hockey fans because none of us really grew up, even though in Minnesota we, we know it's the state of hockey, but we weren't there. But every other sport that he had tickets for, we would sit front row because he always wanted to be right there, not so he'd be seen. He wants to just be there. Yeah. And would oftentimes tell me when he'd come to my games or when we, he and I would be on a sideline, he'd say, you know, I still think I got it. <laughs> You, know, you always I've always said this, you you want your surgeon who's going to do the work on you to be a very confident man. <laughs> and my dad was not an egotist, but he certainly was confident beyond words. And I, and I always loved that about him because he would literally look at me and go, you know, I think I could play five or six plays in a game. Just get down there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was always fun. He's a great guy to grow up around. Well, I'm glad you were able to fit the Hulk Hogan part in. I would have made you if you had forgotten because it's just that full circle. And what it illustrates is how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree mm. because you you might not have a 60-page Wikipedia and maybe you didn't go to medical school, but playing for the Bucks, being able to play for your hometown college and then for the yeah. Vikings, uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure my memory is that little fuzzy in 92. I was a senior in college and just getting into this business but i think you want a world bowl um if if, uh, if memory serves so yeah broad broad resume and 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 just a you know obviously a likable person but it's interesting to find out why you know what 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 makes you tick and that's that's a story i'm glad we got to share today so thank you for that yeah absolutely no thanks it, I, i'm impressed that you caught the world bowl thing I, I will tell you this. I I bounced around so much you you'd be shocked. I mean, I was I was with Seattle, then I was with the Vikings, and then I went to Tampa, and then they sent me for a box of tape or whatever that they yeah. sent. I was in LA with the Raiders for a little while, but I was never officially on the team, but Al Davis had ways of allowing you to be there without actually the NFL knowing it. <laughs> I can say that now he's passed away, so <laughs> shocking. <laughs> But and that was a great experience. And it was great meeting Al Davis. And, and you know, he treated me like I, I was as if I was a starting linebacker for him. And the guy was great. And then and the World Football League and the CFL, I played up for a couple of games for Toronto. <laughs> so Argonauts, it's right? my body's falling apart, man. Kevin, I'm telling you. <laughs> It, 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 it's um, it, it's an awesome story. And I know you wouldn't have traded it for the world, but now since you've gone that deep and you're mentioning Toronto Argonauts, we can't <laughs> let you just finish the conversation because when you and I were talking and there was like, I, and I never looked what the team was, but I wanted to, we were trying to remember, I was trying to remember some of these XFL teams. I knew you were a linebacker coach for the Chicago team, but at the time I was also trying to remember the quarterback and I never looked online and I let my brain work it out. And late that night, I wasn't going to call you like some weird stalker at one in the morning, but I was like, Tommy Maddox. That's, that's right. Tommy that's Maddox. what I was trying to think of. And I think he played for the Steelers for a little bit, maybe yeah. after that. And it was like uh, just an incredible 
story. I'm sorry that that XFL didn't work because it's a neat idea. I know they've got USFL and and I think even the Rocks bringing back the XFL again. So we'll see yep. uh, what what they can do with spring football. But what a uh, you know what, what a storied career. And here you are talking about options every day, which is even better. How 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 did you guys start the first the first version of Option Monster? Um, where where did that I mean, where did that idea come from? Because it's pretty revolutionary to do what you did. Yeah, um, that's a really great question. So John and I were on the trading floors for a really long time. John played for the Bears back in 1981 briefly. And then when he got released, he didn't know what he was going to do. His agent happened to have ties to the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And so John said, well, all right, I'm going to get into it. And so he'd already been there since 1981. I got done playing football in 92. And he, you know, I, I wanted to go to med school, but I was missing the starting dates for med school. So I figured, well, I'll go next year. I'll just go down and check out what it is John does because I've never quite figured it out, right? You know, when somebody tells you about options and you're playing football in the NFL, you really don't think much longer about those options. So so I, I decided to go down there and see what I thought about it. And um, it was so frustrating, Kevin. I mean, it was you know, because I was a market maker, which is a much different world than being where you and I sit today. You know, we, we now can sit here. I can sit here in Florida. You can sit in Florida or up in Philadelphia, wherever. Um, and you can do your job. Right. I mean, there that it didn't used to be like that. You virtually were on the trading floors or you're you're phoning in trades if, if that's what you wanted to do from all over the place. And they'd have to go to a trading floor. So. I got to those trading floors. It was the most confusing thing I've ever been around. And I was frustrated because I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm a reasonably smart guy. I, I, you know, I was an academic, all this and all that or whatever. And I can't figure this thing out. <laughs> at least you are big and strong because that's an advantage when you're in the pits, especially yeah. when, when your brother started. That is a huge advantage. And, and, and in fairness, I will tell you, part of this craziness of this crazy thing that I've got and this crazy hair and whatever, um, it's just who you become when you're down there because whatever helps make you stand out when you were on the trading floor is an advantage over the people who look the same, right? So one of the things that made me stand out, I'm a little bit bigger than the other guys. The trading jacket that I had had crazy stuff all over it. Yeah. Uh, I had the long hair, and you know, which I still have because it's a good luck charm now. And then, you know, the goatee and all that stuff, right? So, you know, you throw all those things in there. And if I'm if you and I are in the trading pit and I'm screaming like this, there's a good chance that I might have at least a slight advantage just because, wow, that bald guy with the long hair and the goatee and he's kind of big and he's screaming like this. So, you know, that that is the art form of trading on the floors. And so what John and I had to do was how do we rehab, have a way of seeing what's going on on the trading floor without being on the trading floor because – Everything was coming upstairs. Everything was computers as they are now. I mean, it was, it happened so fast because in 92, when I started, we were still writing down on a trading card, right? Yep. And then eventually you had little computers that you held like a telephone today where you punch in all of this stuff, but you still had to pick up a phone to make a, a stock hedge. You'd have to pick up the phone to call who then would call New York, who three minutes later would call you back and say if you filled or not. You know, I mean, that's, that's how I it's amazing, right? I mean, it's but uh, but it all made made for a way to for us to say, all right, so how do we get what was on the trading floor in our hands now? And so we came up with some algorithms that we wanted to see that was what 
what we thought were some of the smartest trades going on that usually led to something bigger. And so we, we kind of put our heads together and came up with some ideas. We had uh, a team of guys who built a system for us, the algorithmic system. And we started trading from upstairs using that. And we thought, well, you know, this is a pretty cool idea for us, but it would be really cool to see, you know, wonder if anybody else would have interest in this. And eventually we started to build out the option monster side of things. And then we, we decided, well, but the execution systems just aren't all that great. And so how do we solve that? Well, let's build our own trading system, our own brokerage. So we built Trade Monster. And so we had Trade Monster and we had Option Monster. Option Monster is very similar to Market Rebellion, what that is today. And then we had Trade Monster, which now sits on, well, it was bought by E-Trade. And E-Trade was bought by Morgan Stanley. So anybody who's on a Morgan Stanley platform trading options, um, if they go to a specific part, it's our old Trade Monster platform. And it sits right there. On The ironic thing about it all was back in the day, I got a hold of the guys at Morgan Stanley and the former CEO who I loved to death. He was a Lebanese guy, actually. And he he and I clicked right away. He's a great guy. And he was asking me about Trade Monster. And he goes, you know, we should buy that. And I said, you probably should. I said, it, it is, it, we, we were, I think five years in a row, we were the number one ranked trading platform out there for options, stocks, and futures or whatever. So it was really exciting. And I thought, you know, I thought it was really going to go somewhere, but you know, there's a lot of egos in the world and the egos on the, on the side for, for Morgan wanted to build their own platform. It didn't work out all that good. Eventually they ended up buying that trade monster from E-Trade and brought it over there and they paid a lot more than they needed to. <laughs> yeah. That was probably not the best discount uh, right. valuation they could have got. But, but the, so that made for a really interesting, it was a great platform. And, and quite frankly, um, there's probably a point in time again where uh, with the wink and a nod, I will tell you, you might see another platform built for the Market Rebellion people. So we'll see. Well, we, <laughs> and we'll we, put that out there to the world. At some we, will, uh, we, we will stay tuned for sure. And I, and I remember a lot of this stuff just from like the periphery of, of mm -hmm. you know, sort of seeing these things go down. And, and we had heard about you guys from some mutual people in Chicago uh, uh, and, and the option world is very, very small. So the SIBO yeah. and, uh, and even the OIC, so you, even though we, we, you know, we don't all, all connect, it's sort of like a, a closed fraternity where, um, where, where you hear a lot of things that are going on and our world in Naples, you know, like this tiny little back, back in 2005 to 2008, I mean, there were just three of us. Mm -hmm. So, and no one ever heard of us, but like you and your brother and the, you know, the quants sitting there in a dark room. I mean, that's all we were is just sitting there in front of computers trying to say like, we have these philosophies, we have these models. It really started with this idea that there was, um, I was thinking about hurricane insurance. You know, we started the podcast talking about insurance. I know we're probably running out of time, but mm -hmm. I was standing there at the Gulf and being from Philadelphia and having moved to Naples, it was like, you know, you're going to buy hurricane insurance you really can't buy it when you see the hurricane in the gulf you really need to kind of think about it beforehand and you're just moving to to, to you know um sarasota area you're kind of thinking the same thing like what is this hurricane insurance but <laughs> it's the same thing with options so if you're going to be buying protective puts or, or any type of hedging you need to do it when you're not getting the hurricane news and seeing it out the window or even the airplanes you know remember you could buy airplane insurance when you would get yeah. on the airplane yeah. what was the uh I think maybe it was liar's poker, but there was a great line where the Solomon Brothers traders yelled out to this kid that was getting on a plane. He said, hey, 
when you get on the plane, put 20 bucks on uh, a life insurance policy for you before you get on. The kid's <laughs> like, why would I do that? The trader's like, because I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> So great! Yeah, I, know, I I I just that that's kept popped into my head over the blue. I gotta, I gotta write that one down. But uh, but hedging, you know, and look looking at volatility over the long term, if you if you analyze it as a constant and just make it an expense, something you're going to build into the portfolios forever, then you can adjust the levels based on volatility. Our first strategy that we created back then, just talk about dumb luck, right place, right time. We built this hedged portfolio, and and 2008, the hurricane hit, and yeah. just like who would have ever thunk it? And it worked. We were down like 13.98% after fees in 08. And that kind of put us on the map. And we got some 40 act funds, some big, inst big institutional money. But it, ju it just begs the, 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 rep the repetition that it's all about the rules and the strategy and the fundamentals. Because yeah. I sat there in January of 09. I was like, ah, thank God that's over. <laughs> and the market went down another 20% in the first quarter. And we were down seven, but the model, the whole, this whole strategy works. You don't predict yeah. the market. You don't time the market. You just build around things that, that make sense and you try to harvest it. So, uh, and this shouldn't be about me. This should be about you, but no, you, it's you got me talking, which I, I love it. Usually I sit back and fall asleep. Um, <laughs> not, that's not true. We have great guests. They're all awesome. And I take that back. <laughs> if anybody's 33 minutes into our video, you know, because uh, I know none of our previous guests could last that long and neither could I with my ADD, but I, I, I thank you. Pete, so, so much for coming on. I could sit oh, here for hours talking to you and, and hopefully we can have you back and, and, and talk more about the, pl the platform that might be coming, yep. a little bit more about Market Rebellion. Our, our audience is primarily you know, financial advisors more so than retail, but, uh -huh. but you know, financial advisors also, who, and why they watch us is to learn more about options and, and, yeah. and, and any type of things that we can do to help mutual clients with hedging. So if uh, you know, if you're willing, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back, and you can you can monopolize the conversation, and I'll shut up. No, 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 you're great, man. <laughs> Again, yeah. see, you got my attention when you start talking, so it's all good. No, but thank you very much. I I very much appreciate being here, and 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 uh, you know, I there's not a lot of people who go on television that I really do lift my head up for. So I, I will tell you that I appreciate it, and and it's, it's really fun. You you're always fun to to talk with, and. I can't wait to have dinner with you down in Naples some night. Yeah, well, we're going to go to the wine festival together in January. Yeah. But the reason you look up and I look up at you is because we're the only people that look like crazy, just bizarre <laughs> cartoon characters. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's, oh, it's it's, good. It, yeah, it gets the attention, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everybody, check out Market Rebellion. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week or the following week. We've got some really great guests coming up. But this was the best podcast we've done, and I encourage you to watch it twice. <laughs> Thanks, man. This message does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase securities through CWP Advisory Services. Investments are not guaranteed and involves risk of loss. The views and opinions expressed in this message are those of investment professionals made at the time this content was recorded, are not necessarily the views and opinions of CWP, and may change in time without notification. For additional information about CWP, visit CWP's or the SEC's website for a copy of our ADV Disclosure Brochure and Form CRS.